Good morning to each one, and greetings in our Savior's name. It is a joy to be with you this morning, to worship with you, to bring the Word of God. Last week, weekend, we celebrated the birth of our Savior, and this brings us to uh, the end of the year, last day of the year. Seems like each year goes by faster and faster for me. I'm not sure if you find it that way too, or not. But time moves on. So this morning, I just want to encourage us to keep on keeping on. God has been faithful through this year. And let's continue to serve Him and make a difference in His kingdom. <clears throat> Y'all can pray for my voice this morning. I lost my voice several weeks ago. It's a lot better than it was, but if, if I could get a glass of water, please. This morning for the message, I've titled it Points for Practical Living. You can turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to use the first 17 verses for the sermon text this morning to draw our minds heavenward. That's where our true blessings come from. And in this passage, Paul lays out for us points of action. For practical Christian living. I want to go ahead and give you those points. That you can be thinking about them as we read then. Uh, seek those things that are above. And these are all action points. And then he says to set your mind on things above. On things that are above. Put to death therefore what is earthly. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Let peace rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. Another action. Thank you. Do everything in the name of the Lord for the glory of God. And then actively give thanks. So Colossians chapter 3. I invite those that are able, let's stand to read this scripture this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which, as a, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. 
and above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You may be seated. <clears throat> so we see here in the beginning verse, because we know that Jesus was really raised from the dead, then our identification with Him becomes real. It's only because that we were raised with Christ that we can seek those things which are above. And these things are only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do them on our own. We cannot do them in the flesh. The only way to have victory over sin is found in our experience of being united with Christ. And only those that are born again and washed in the blood of the Lamb and powered by the Holy Spirit can do these things. If we try to do them in the flesh, we will fail. So without the Holy Spirit, these 17 verses are simply the letter of the law. It becomes the law without the Spirit. We're to live by the Spirit. We're to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit giveth life. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. So with the Spirit, you can take these 17 verses and they will give life. And if we try to walk them out, walk them out outside of the Spirit, they will become the letter of the law. That is why Paul begins in verse 1 by saying, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So the first thing he tells us is, is to seek those things that are above. And this above that he's talking about is where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So our first action word here is seek. You must do it. In the Greek, this word means to strive for something earnestly. It means we need to seek something out with a desire to possess it, to make it our own. This verb is what we call the present imperative tense. And that suggests a continuous action, ongoing. Don't just seek it once, but continue seeking. Keep on seeking, keep moving towards Seeking that which is above. So what is above is, is where Christ is seated. And what is it that we are supposed to be seeking? Paul simply says, seek those things that are above. What is that? What is above? We're supposed to be seeking the blessing. The blessings that we have been given. They are from above. They are not from below. In the Old Testament, Israel experienced a lot of earthly blessing. 
Israel was promised blessings below. They had their land. They had their enemies. God said, you will conquer them. They had their crops. They will grow well for you. Here's your children. They will be strong and healthy. It was all connected with the below. But we have a different covenant than what Israel did. Our blessings are not below. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Notice where those blessings are located. It says in heavenly places. That is where your blessings are. They are in heavenly places. But that doesn't mean God doesn't bless us below. Don't, don't entertain that thought. God does bless us below. He blesses us with sunshine. He blesses us with rain. He allows us to earn income so that we can buy food and clothing for our families. But this is not primarily where the covenant blessings are. He blesses many people in that way. The Bible tells us He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. But the special blessings that are ours in Jesus Christ are above. And that is what Paul is saying here in this verse in Ephesians. So when he says to seek that which is above, he's telling us to recognize the fleeting nature of anything that is on earth. Blessings that come our way can be gone just as quickly as in which they came. In 2008, you remember the, the economy hit a slump. Those that had a lot of financial Investments lost thousands, and some even hundreds of thousands of dollars. It can be gone so quickly, but your true blessings are stored above. So God's Word tells us to seek after those things earnestly. If you have your sights focused here, you will lose sight of what is up there and the true blessing above. The Bible also tells us that our life is but a vapor. It's like grass of the field that springs up and looks great for a short time. Then it gets scorched by the sun and it's gone. I don't know if you've noticed, but there, there's this drive among people who don't know the Lord to hang on to the only blessing they have or the only one that they can see in their life. And I believe some Christians have gotten sucked into this as well. The fear, the focus that this life is all that there is. We must hang on to it with a death grip. So what is going to happen if this life becomes our treasure? What's going to happen is that your heart will be there also. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay for, up for yourselves treasures above, treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there you will find your heart. With treasures on earth, you have things like Moth, rust, they destroy. Thieves will break in and steal from you. With treasures above, you have no rust, no moth to destroy. Thieves cannot take it from you. Luke 12.33 says, Sell what you have and give alms, providing yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. 
So as believers, our treasures is in heaven. So our heart should be there also. So let's earnestly seek those blessings that are above. Paul also speaks of something else that is above. Here in verse 1, he says, Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Part of this seeking the things that are above is putting our attention, our focus, on the fact that there is this sovereign rule which is exercised by Jesus Christ right now at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus, our Savior, at this very moment, is seated at the right hand of God. In the Bible, the right hand of God is all power. It's a symbol for power. Jesus is seated there. He says, Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Don't get overwhelmed with what is going on in this world. The violence, the lawlessness that is happening. We're to focus our attention above on the throne of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that we should be ignorant of what is going on around us. Not at all. But I believe if our focus is there, we face the danger of being sucked in. Getting burdened down. Where your focus so much on the things below that you lose your joy, your peace. It will eat away at your faith. Focus your attention above on the throne of Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Speaking of the rapture. So first we are told to seek those things which are above. And now we are exhorted to set our minds. After you have sought them and found them, now set your mind on them. The first one speaks of striving and the second one speaks of concentrating. Concentrate your mind on things that are above. Things that are eternal, not temporal. 2 Corinthians 4.18 While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he's telling us to fix our minds on something that we cannot see. That messes with us because we like things that appeal to our five senses. We want to see it. We want to feel it. We want to taste it. We want to be able to hear it with our ears. We want to smell it. We want to handle it with our hands. But you cannot. So there's this other sense you must use. It's a sense of faith. I can't see it. I can't smell it. I can't hear it, but you have faith that it is there. Look not, what, look not at what you can see, but at the things which are not seen. It takes faith to look at something that you cannot see. Verse 5, we have our next action point. It says, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Then it gives us a list. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Ephesians 5.3 says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, 
who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So these are things that will distance you from your relationship with God. Sexual immorality will cause problems between you and God. Impurity, passions that are connected with evil desires. Covetousness, which is idolatry and so on. It says, put it to death, kill it. This is a Greek verb and it means just that, to make dead. It doesn't just refer to resisting. The Bible tells us we are to resist the devil, but sin we are to put to death. Destroy it. In the power of the Holy Spirit, eradicate it, mortify to make dead. Paul speaks numerous times throughout the New Testament about our condition apart from Christ as it relates to sin. Romans 7, 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So here Paul gives you and I an understanding of our spiritual condition apart from Christ. We're slaves sold under sin. But praise God, through Christ, that control has been broken. Because we have died with Christ, sin no longer is our master. We now have a new master, which is God. The old master was sin. But be careful. Just because I'm free from sin doesn't mean I'm sin free. And it's important that we understand that. Jesus set you free from the mastery of sin, but it doesn't mean that you are sin free. Verse 6, Paul gives us the reason we are to put to death sin. It says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. This is what you lived in, but now you are to put off these things. And it gives us another list. In verse 8, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. You have put off the old self with his evil practices, the evil deeds. Verse 10, and you have put on the new man, which is not being destroyed. It is being renewed. It says, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Here Paul uses a different term now to describe the process of sin and how we are to treat it. We are to put it off. He's talking about putting off and putting on. He's talking about nature. Put off the old natural man that used to live under the bondage of sin. Put on, excuse me, put off the old sinful nature and put on the new Christ-like nature that dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, Paul talks about this process of putting off sin. I'm going to go back there and look at that. Colossians 2, verse 11. It says, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. It was a work of the Spirit. And putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In the NIV it says, in Him you were. It's a past tense. You were also circumcised. And that lines up with what he's saying here in verses 9 and 10 in Colossians. When he says, 
have put on the character of Christ. Past tense again. The putting off, the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Here he makes us aware that there was this, when we came to Jesus Christ, there was this fundamental change in our identity. There was this, there was this shift in who we are. It has already happened. It happened when we met Jesus at the cross, when we recognized that it was my sin that put him there. When by faith we embrace what he did for us on the cross and accepted the forgiveness that he offers us through his sacrificial death. He now exhorts us to bring our behavior, our daily actions into a place of consistency with that new identity. The work has been done. Now bring your daily life into line with what Christ has done. Past tense. When he circumcised you with a circumcision not done with human hands, but by the Spirit and through that circumcision put off the sinful nature, it's been done. Now live it out. You and I must walk it out and walk it out by faith. Verse 11 says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, speaking of the physical circumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. It's man that comes up with the bi this bias. God, can God cares about the condition of your heart. <clears throat> man looks on the outside. In another passage, it says that even male and female doesn't matter in light of eternity. It doesn't exist in eternity. Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all, excuse me, for you all, excuse me, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. God cares about something that is much deeper, and that is what is happening in our hearts. The new man is elect of God. That means that God has chosen the Christian and chosen him to be something special in his plan. In verse 12, we have the put on, therefore. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. He now talks about what we have put on in Christ Jesus. These are attributes of God. He has now communicated those attributes to you and I through the Holy Spirit. Now we are to put them on and walk them out. And each of these qualities mentioned in this passage, express themselves in relationships. You may say, I'm not a very patient person. Christ has done His work in you to deposit His character in your heart. We're talking about attributes of God. Walk out patience. His patience, make it yours. His kindness, make it yours. Let His kindness flow through you to others as well as the other attributes. They are His. Make them yours and use them to bless others. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man has, have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. The NIV says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Maybe you say, but I cannot forgive. 
You're right of yourself. You cannot. But I say you have Christ in you, His power, His ability in you to forgive. Jesus was the one that was on the cross. He was hanging on the cross and He looked down at the people who were mocking Him and who had just nailed Him to that cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. That same Jesus is living in you. Focus on what Jesus can do in you. It is only through the power of the Spirit that you can release them. I recently spoke with a man that I hadn't talked to for quite a number of years. And my memories of this individual was bitterness and hard feelings. And I met, met up with him recently. And I wanted to make a point to, to speak with him just to see where he's at. And it was, I was disappointed in the response that I got. We weren't talking long at all till I felt that bitterness in his heart that was still there from years ago. We're told to live forgiving one another after the pattern of Jesus. Jesus' forgiveness toward us. Understanding the way that Jesus forgave us will always make us more generous with forgiveness and never less generous. Then he says, put on the love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Find that in verse 14. It says, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Paul told the Corinthians that love is the most excellent way. It perfectly fulfills what God requires of us as it relates to our relationship with one another in the body of Christ. Then beginning in verse 15, we have three final exhortations. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to that which ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. This word rule means to arbitrate. Let the peace of God act as a referee or an umpire in your heart. Let the peace of God make the call. Let the peace of Christ judge. Let the peace of Christ decide. Let the peace of Christ govern in your hearts. Don't let your emotions make the call. Emotions are like a roller coaster. They're up and down. They're up one minute and down the next. And eventually you won't know which end is up. To let our emotions rule only brings confusion. So let the peace of God rule. Let it make the call. Let God's peace rule. Sometimes you may hear the expression, someone may tell you, I just don't have peace about this or that. I've been seeking and searching for the peace of Christ in this situation, and I just don't have peace. Or the opposite is also true. They may say, God has given me peace, and I'm going to let that be the rule of the situation. So let, let the peace of God act as the referee, the umpire. Second exhortation, verse 16, says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Another action word, dwell. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell means to inhabit, 
Let the word of Christ inhabit your heart. And the word richly means abundantly. So let the word of Christ inhabit your heart abundantly. So bathe in the word. Let the word of God penetrate your heart, your innermost being. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 7. I want to read verses, Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. For that man, the rains came. He was experiencing the same things others were. The winds blew and beat on that house, but it didn't fall because it was founded on the rock. Because the word of Christ dwell richly in that heart. The man, this man was anchored in the rock. Will your anchor hold steadfast in 2024? I had to think of the song we sometimes sing, We Have an Anchor by Priscilla Jane Owens. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? Will your anchor hold in the straits of fear when the breakers roar and the reef is near? While the surges rage and the wild winds blow, shall the angry waves bend your bark or flow? Talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I just had to think that this variety suggests that God delights in creative, spontaneous worship. Whether you're riding down the road and a song comes to your mind and you just start singing with joy. In verse 17, we have our final exhortation. Paul wraps it up here where he says, If I have left anything out, he says, And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Do you know what it means to do something in the name of the Lord Jesus? It means in the authority of. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the authority of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him. So are you thankful this morning? Giving thanks to God. Being thankful communicates that we serve a good God. The opposite is also true, I believe. If you're a complainer, doesn't that kind of communicate to people that you don't serve a good God? And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So in closing, just to recap these actions. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Let peace rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. Do everything in the name of the Lord for the glory of God. And actively give thanks. Will your anchor hold? Will your anchor hold in the floods of death? When the water's cold, chill your latest breath. On the rising tide you can never fail while your anchor holds within the veil. Will your eyes behold through the morning light the city of gold and the harbor bright? Will, your, will you anchor safe by the heavenly shore when life storms are past 
forevermore. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.